Retro Hangovers, supported via Patreon by listeners like you. We would especially like to thank patrons Lyle McCarns, Ashton Ruby, Randall Quiggle, Tony G, Studstill Smash the Milkman, Raging Demon, Katie Quigg, JC, Megan Caruso, Mast Keaton, Andrew Liguori, Ozzy Garcia, The Retro Vixen, Adam from The Good, The Bad, The Backlog, Lunchbox, aka The Disgruntled Gamer, Disca Jenny E, Rick Firestone, Parallax Puddles, Soha, Dave Jackson, Matt, aka Stormageddon, Retro Overdrive, Van Fernal, Keith Gasper, Eric Guess, Nomad from the Retro Wildlands Podcast, Ash Event, Alan Bingham, Storm Beagle, Ryan Player One, Mike the Ref from Backbreaker Gaming, B Ross from Super Garbage Day, Darth Emic, Low Five Alex, and Alt. Your continued engagement and generous donations are deeply appreciated. Open your ears and crack some beers. You are listening to the most recent episode of Retro Hangover. Hello, retro and classic gamers. Welcome to the podcast where we lure lads lacking loquacious lobotomies, lurking lowly laboratories. This is Retro Hangover. I'm your co-host, Chris Copeland, with special guest Ryan Trainer from the Bonsai Chat Podcast. And as always, your host, Shane. Generic Dick Crystal Dragon! Kasky! Our lawyers have advised us to say that we are not, in fact, luring any lads anywhere, whether they are loquacious, lobotomized, or reside in a laboratory, and nothing that we say should be misconstrued as such. Thank you. Shane <laughs> is trying to say that made us sound like Jeffrey Dahmer, but lads lads is a, a term that can't be applied to, to even adult males, Shane. What are you trying to say, Chris? What are you trying are to you, say? Did it does not matter which which matter which form of lad I shall not be luring any of them. Thank you. I why? Why why why, why not? Yeah. I, I feel think, like you I think that's the I biggest like question turned, is why not? How did you turn this around on me? I don't think I did turn it around on you. I think it's been on you the entire time. I don't know where you're going with the luring lad. I some I can lure some lads to the bar. We can have a good time. Throw some darts. Maybe shoot some pool. Those all, those all sound the, like the misms. They, they would, wouldn't they, Shane? They would. Play some video games. Yeah. Play some video games, yeah. I don't know what the euphemism is in that. Yeah, just finger some buttons. Gonna arc those lads. How topical. How topical. Welcome to the Retro Hangover Podcast, everybody. It's myself, Chris Coplain, as you just heard, with Shane Kosky. And we are joined by Ryan Trainer. Welcome back to the show, Ryan. What's up, lads? Ahoy. If you don't know the history of why Ryan Trainer is is here with us. Ryan Trainer comes back every year to join us 
And that is because of the history with Ryan, aside from just being a standout lad himself uh, that we lured to be <laughs> to this podcast. He was like the, the first fan we we had outside, like friends and family, to the best of our knowledge. And it's always a pleasure having him back here. It's always great to have him on the show. And it's always great. We have him like for an anime theme month, but. I, I, this does have an anime, so it qualifies. But as, as Shane has put off mic, that this is not Fist of the North Star, so he is very happy with that. I mean, I, I don't inherently dislike anything about Fist of the North Star. I just inherently dislike every single one of the games that we've played that has to do with it so far. <laughs> the fighting game is fantastic. Sure, yeah. I mean, it looked <laughs> real nice. Sure. But anyway, welcome back to the show, Ryan. I think I already said this, but it's it's always great to have you here and so grateful you're still you're still hanging out with us and still part of the community. Oh, yeah, thanks. Always good to be back. <laughs> That's basically Chris saying that he's just surprised that you're still here. Yeah. <laughs> you guys lead me back every time and you know, even through my ears and podcasts, you know, I'm just I guess the OG lad that just, you know, just likes the show a lot. So thanks for having me. All right. So before we get into the show today, which is Ark the Lad. We like to talk about which games we have been playing lately and which is tradition, as we are want to do. We like to kick it over to our guest and ask them what they have been up to first. So, Ryan, what have you been playing lately? Well, I have two games I wanted to talk about, but I'll keep the, I guess how I say this, but the one game I wanted to bring up is as we got into this game, um, you know, you guys telling me to do play Ark the Lad and all that. And I'm like, you know, I never played the second one. And that's where everybody was talking about that uh, for the longest time, you know, like Ark the Lad ones, you know, this this game that I'm sure I'll talk about. And then Ark the Lad 2 is like, I guess, just more popular, I would just say. But I never played it, you know, just getting this brought up. And, you know, I played the first one a bunch of times. So I started playing this. And I won't get into it too much since we'll be talking about the first one, but that's definitely interesting seeing that this game is so much bigger and so much like has so much more to it. Cause that's what everyone was saying is like Arc the Lad 2 is just a way longer game. And I remember people saying how much time they put in Arc the Lad 2 and that this game was forever. And I was like, I think that's why I never played it. Cause it just seemed like this big, this giant game that just could never be completed. It's actually not that long, especially nowadays with like everything being 100 hours. I was like, I think it's around like 40 to 50 hours from what I've looked up. So I was like, it's actually pretty standard for an RPG. The amount of story that already happens, because I played them, I played them both for 10 hours since like Ark the Lads about, is about 10 hours. I played 10 hours of the second game so far. And just through that, it's like, Getting through one little part of the second game is it just shows how much bigger that this game is and just how much they put into this one little story arc. I'll just say just how much more it has to go with the second one from what I'm getting. It's pretty crazy to see, but that was just I didn't want to talk too much about it since it'd be like just going into Ark the Lad, I guess. But uh, <laughs> the second game is Persona 4 because. <laughs> I've never beaten Persona 4, and again, talking about a long-ass game. I still haven't beaten it yet, but beat 5, but I was kind of playing them backwards now. And it took me forever to just be like, everyone's like, play Persona 4 Golden. And I'm like, okay. And 
just getting into it probably like last year and just kind of going in and off with it. I just love the gameplay of Persona, of the feeling you get when you get into a battle and you can just basically know the weaknesses of all the enemies and just own them in a second by, you know, whatever the spells they need or hopefully you have. It's it's a lot of fun, but I do not understand why these games have to be so freaking long. Yeah. Knowing that Persona 3 Reloaded came out, I'm like, God damn it. Now I'm going to have to play Persona 3 Reloaded because I did want to play Persona 3. And now that they have the reload thing, I'm like, that game looks fucking sweet. Like the gameplay does look really good in that. And probably by the time I get around to that and play that in how many years, they're going to probably have a Persona 4 remake. So yeah, I'm just kind of fucked in the Persona world, I guess. So, but <laughs> it's still fun though. I, I somehow, if for all the anime bullshit I like, I do like you know being in that world, and it's it, it has a lot of its I guess RPG charm to it. I, I know there's there's quite a few people in our community that want us to play Persona games as well, and I'm I'm a big big fan of the Persona series. I don't know, Shane, you haven't played any of them, right? Not so far, God willing. <laughs> there you go, patrons. The assignment has been put out. It's already been that's, put that's, out. We've been narrowly avoiding Persona 4 for like months now. It's because of what you said, Ryan, is because like that game, just to, just to beat it, and that you're talking about Persona 4 in and of itself, or 4, 4 Golden, that's at least a 100, a minimum 100 hour game. So Shane, how about yourself? What have you been playing? Well, have you ever heard of this little indie game called Doom? <laughs> no. Well. Let me fill you in, because boy, have you been missing out. Oh boy, can't wait to hear about it. Yeah, so it's a it's a first-person shooter, colloquially known as an FPS. And mm. yeah, and I recently modded the ever-living bejesus out of it and played it on our stream on Sundays. So that was fun. So traditionally, I'd been using a mod called Brutal Doom, which is, in my opinion, like the only way to play it now. Like, I can't go back to just classic doom anymore not that it's bad but the improvements are such that like i wouldn't want to go back to playing it you know or vanilla i guess but there was a sort of a fork of that one called black edition which like even adds more stuff and tweaks some additional things and so i took that and this was inspired by a youtube video i came across where somebody did this and they listed out all the mods they used and so i'm, I'm not taking any credit for this i basically just copied their mod list but Brutal Doom Black Edition with like a whole host of other mods. I think it was like nine in total. So there's like a visor HUD mod. So it makes it look like you're actually inside the Space Marines helmet and it completely redoes all the HUD elements, which looks really cool and weather effects and like HD textures and better liquids and just all bunch of cool stuff. So I played that. That's Doom is I'll probably be playing that one till I die or it stops working <laughs> on whatever version of Windows is out. We'll see. Besides that, I've jumped into the latest season of Diablo 4, which had a huge stumble at the beginning, but they're slowly salvaging it. For the record, I kind of gripe about it, but truth be told, like I'm I'm genuinely having fun with it. So there are some problematic things, but I think some of the more hardcore folks in the community maybe blow things a little bit out of proportion go figure but i myself am having a good time this season i, I rolled up a barbarian i'm going hammer of the ancients so i basically just run around and mega smash the shit out of everything and it is very satisfying so uh having a good time with that and there was one other one i started oh i bought into the early access of last epoch 
which is basically a direct competitor to Diablo 4 because I'm I'm always on the lookout for for a good ARPG. It's one of my top genres. So if anybody's listened to the show, they they know that it's pretty good. It's I'm I'm impressed so far. I haven't put a ton of time into it yet, but I rolled up a necromancer just to see if a if a pure summon necromancer is viable in last epoch unlike some other games i won't mention <clears throat> and um mm-hmm. so far so good so far so good it, it feels it feels real good to to summon a bunch of skellymans and just kind of let them do their thing and kind of buff them and throw out curses and whatnot a la the the lagromancer from diablo 2 so so yeah check i i would recommend checking out last epoch it's actually releasing 1.0 at the end of this month, so at the time of this recording, it was, it'd be February. I believe the release date is February twenty first, if I remember right. So, I would I would highly recommend checking that out. And it's it's pretty cheap actually too. I think full price it's only like thirty bucks. I want to say I think is what it was. It's not bad. It's like thirty it's or forty bucks. Yeah, so it's it's not bad. And I think I think it's got pretty a pretty bright future. So. I'm looking forward to seeing where that one goes, but I think those are the the big ones for me for right now. What about you, Chris? What what's been keeping you busy? I've been playing the game for next episode, next main episode, because it's a long one. So thank you, patrons, for voting for Okami. That's what I've been playing. I think about a quarter of the way through. I think uh, so about twelve hours. There you go. Looking looking forward to to tackling that. I'm in, I'm I'll talk about that. I won't say whether or not I'm enjoying it or whether I am not. Because that's the beauty of podcasting. You'll find out next time. But in addition to that, I've also been playing other games for the show, which is also kind of for me because I, I got to play something other than stuff for the main show. I, I try to keep myself busy, but I'm also going to implement in going to try to implement this into something for the show. So if you see something new pop up on Patreon as a new kind of segment on May 11th, then I have done my job. If not, then I failed. But I played some Virtua Fighter and some Clockwork Knight and Daytona USA. So they have been fun all for the Saturn. And I've been enjoying myself getting getting through those games. Definitely I have. And I, I look forward to hopefully sharing my thoughts on those in the near future. But this is this is a project I'm undertaking. If you're in our Discord and in our Patreon if you're in our yeah, if you're in our Discord server and you're part of our Patreon and you pay attention to the Patron Pub, then you might have an idea of what I'm talking about. But I I have a lot of work to do in order to get where, what I want done on that aspect. But that will involve playing a lot of games, and I like playing games. I I know I have a lot of bad ones I'm gonna have to get to, but yeah, that's what I've been up to, and hopefully someday soon I'll be able to relax it a little bit and and play some games for myself i just really haven't been able to do that for a while i'm looking forward to that day i think after i beat konami but i have to take a look at our main schedule list and and see what's available i know that's the rough life of a video game podcaster having to play games for a show it's it's awful just terrible playing video games how dare we cursed yeah it's a rough life it's a rough life somebody's got to do it yeah someone has to someone has to It's, it's a brave thing we're doing doing it for the lads. They, they should give us a medal. We are doing it for the lads. <laughs> yes. Speaking of obligations, I, I suppose we probably ought to move this thing along and give the people what they want, which is a brief history of the game that we're talking about today. So, so Chris, would you mind 
filling in the folks at home on on some of the 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 backstory, the origin of Ark the Lad. Normally, when we hear of story-heavy games being locked in Japan during the 32-bit era, and really before that, fans have to wait years, sometimes decades, for fan translators to dive into the code and make a product that foreigners can digest easier. This was also an era when more than a few games never made it across the Pacific, staying in their native land to exist in relative obscurity, waiting to be dug up in the future by someone wanting to talk about a hidden gem. This was almost the fate for today's game, Ark the Lad. Released in Japan on June 30th, 1995, the game was a smash hit for the still young PlayStation. It was a top-down turn-based strategy RPG with a pedigree. Developer G-Craft's Toshiro Tsuchida was the game's lead producer. Tsuchida was also the producer of well-received titles such as Assault Suit Vulcan, Langrisser, and probably the most well-known, Front Mission. Published by Sony themselves, in addition to securing a soundtrack recorded by the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra, the first video game to feature a fully orchestral soundtrack, there was enough hype generated to move a decent amount of units. Throughout its retail life in Japan, it went on to sell approximately 1.6 million games, including being the best-selling PlayStation game in Japan for 1995. Despite its popularity in Japan, Sony refused to localize the game for a Western audience. There were a few reasons for this. First, RPGs were not popular at the time. Sony didn't consider the genre critical to finding success with this new system in North America or Europe, and they weren't entirely wrong. This was a time before Final Fantasy VII, and previous efforts to get the genre ruling didn't usually result in significant levels of success. The other reason, presumably, is that Sony was heavily focused on making the PlayStation a 3D gaming experience. Ark the Lad is a sprite-based 2D game with almost no inclusion of 3D polygons at all. This would not have been this title Sony would have wanted to showcase, especially as a first-party release. After release, there were a few fan campaigns urging Sony to localize the game, but to no avail. This was even in light of the fact that several third-party publishers offered to handle the localization efforts themselves, which Sony refused to allow. Sony at one point said the game would be released in North America in late 1996 and would include the game's sequel, Ark the Lad 2. When that release date came and went, any talk of localizing Ark the Lad went dark. Until 2000. This is when show favorite producer Working Designs would step in. Working Designs was one of the third-party companies that had been trying to secure localization rights from Sony since the success found in the game's Japanese release. While it is unclear if Working Designs was the outfit that was tapped in 1996 to localize it originally, 2000 was when they said they would finally be bringing the game to North American gamers. But by this time, the series had three installments, and the release would now include four games, Ark the Lad, Ark the Lad 2, Ark the Lad Monster Arena, which is an expansion to Ark the Lad 2, and Ark the Lad 3. The Lad Collection would hit several snags on its way to release, but eventually would see a release date of April 18th, 2002 for the Sony PlayStation in North America. 
Critics would mostly receive it well, noting that Working Design's now trademark packaging, which included a 150-page full-color leather-bound instruction manual and an omake box with little tchotchkes, were among the release's most notable aspects. However, since it was an incredibly late release for the PS1, with every next-generation console already released, and even one discontinued, it sold poorly. In total, Ark the Lad Collection, and thus Ark the Lad, had only sold approximately 52,000 units. While that could very well have been the end of the story, Ark the Lad and its sequels would find its way to being released for the PS3 PS1 Classics line in 2010, where it is still available today. And that is your brief history of Ark the Lad. All right. Thank you, Chris, for the brief history. I, I always, these stories about these games getting kind of like ported over here stateside are always very interesting to me. Like I was not aware of any of this back when it was actually happening. Like I was not plugged into that whatsoever. So going back and, and playing these games, you know, for the show and, and learning about the history of like how they even made it here in the first place. Like some of them, it's, it's, it's pretty impressive like the lengths that they had to go through. Yeah, one of the things that surprised me was that before recording this episode, before I had looked up anything into it, and, and just just a reminder to our listeners, we don't go like super in-depth. That's why they're called brief histories. But through the brief history I did look up, I initially thought that Working Designs wanted to do Ark the Lad 2 or 3, and then Sony pressured them to do 1 and 2 as well. What it appears to do is that Working Designs wanted to do one, and it looks like by the time they secured the rights to one, one was such an old game that they, I think Sony wanted them to include two and three as well, and that's why you had a collection, and, and also like you had the remaining games, and there wouldn't have been time to really determine if the first one would be enough of a success to bring over two and three. So it makes sense, but like that's a massive undertaking to put three games in one package for any translation team on a deadline. It's understandable why it went from like 2000 to 2002. So yeah, good on, good on working designs. I know we've been talking about them a lot, but Hey, I I'm happy to talk about them. I am a working designs head, so I, I can't complain too much. Yeah. Any thoughts on the main history on the brief history here, Ryan? Yeah, I just, I remember, I mean, just seeing like the box and like the collection, I just thought this was something I just had no idea of. And again, like I, even you guys going through all this stuff, like I had no idea of any of that detail. And, you know, I just thought this was just a game that I just never heard of that was super popular. And, you know, especially playing it, I'm like, well, obviously this, you know, was a good game. And again, only getting through the first one, but it, it just seemed just because I didn't really understand the whole like localizing and all that at the time. I just, I guess kind of thought this was like a more popular game or really well known than it you know, with all the stuff that you guys mentioned that I guess most Americans didn't know. So I think that's a good segue into our own personal experiences here, since you, you kind of talked briefly on your own. So Shane, I'm going, I'm going to hazard to guess that you have the <laughs> least amount of experience on this one. Uh, so what are your, what are your personal experiences? I just feel like that's very presumptuous, Chris, <laughs> you know? Well, tell, prove me wrong. What is your personal experience with Ark the Lad? I got nothing. <laughs> you have a brief history? No, I mean, the thing is, is, you know, you were just saying that we've been talking about, you know, working designs joints quite a bit lately. And I am fairly certain 
and, and don't quote me on this because I'd have to go back and like look at every one, I guess, but I am almost 100% certain I did not play a single working designs game back in yep. the day at all. So, so these are all pretty much new to me. So, you know, it's, I said this before, but I, I think it is a good balance, right? Because you're getting multiple perspectives on this. You have, you know, the folks that had the experience with it, have the, the history with it, have the nostalgia for it. And then you've got like my perspective where I'm kind of coming into it with, with fresh eyes and seeing, and, and really kind of, you know, testing out our whole you know, thing about, you know, does this hold up today kind of a deal pretty objectively because I don't have any attachment or baggage to a lot of these. Um, so I think it works out for the best, but, but yeah, I, I, I was not even aware this game existed until, well, it was before we started talking about recording it for the show because I'd gone through and basically found a few like best PlayStation games lists when I was compiling my absolutely 100% legal collection of games that I now play on my Steam Deck uh, that are definitely backups of physical copies that I own somewhere. So, so I've had it for a little bit. I've had the Ark the Light collection for a while. I just had gotten around to playing it. So that's, that's quite literally it for me. This is, this is new territory. Hooray. I'm gonna let I'm gonna let Ryan take it next year. I'm just going I'm gonna roll the dice and, and think I that have the most history with this game, but we'll see. Ryan, what's your personal history with Ark of the Light? Uh goes with um kind of I, I guess most one of your recent episodes of talking about Lunar. Once I started into the Lunar series, I was just again a big fan of those two games and i just thought working designs was like the greatest thing ever even though i didn't really understand that like mm -hmm. what they were i just knew like the logo on the box and the friend of mine that i played the lunar games through and I, you know i wasn't really like the best at rpgs or anything like that at the time you know that a, a lot of my friends were playing like final fantasy and like all this like just stuff that i guess like maybe at the time just I just thought was like too much. I don't know. Like I just didn't feel like I could like handle those games for some reason. <laughs> He's like, well, if you like Lunar so much, you would probably like this Ark the Lad game, which is by, you know, Working Designs. And I, you know, saw it and, you know, it, since it had the collection, you know, I was like, oh, this is just like the big box. I don't know why, like the whole marketing thing just like worked for me, <laughs> but I just, you know, decided to jump into it. And since it had the whole like anime look to it and the anime like sprite work and stuff like that, you know, I just, that's how I got into it. Basically it was a easy sell. Yeah. That's it's basically just cause my friend had all these games is how I got into it. Yeah. I mean, your, your story is somewhat similar to what mine is. I was a, at least a big working designs follower. I think I, I kind of look back at it and after the lunar games came out, for the, the PlayStation, I really hadn't paid attention to many working designs games. I think I was mostly a fan of the working designs games that are over on the Sega Saturn. And then I was excited for the Lunar games on the PlayStation, of course, because I had played those on the Sega CD. As you've heard in the previous episodes, me talking about Lunar, that, yeah, I had to get those. So when I heard about Ark the Lad being another RPG and I was into strategy RPGs, especially Final Fantasy Tactics, Shining Force, those kind of games... I was I was hyped for it. Now, I don't remember whether or not I actually got it. Uh, the friends that I've talked about in the past, my friends Matt and Mike, that I went over to every single weekend and slept over at, 
I I know they at least got it. Maybe we both did. And I I remember trying to play it, but I I I can't remember which one I played. But there was just so many other games. This was the time I was really ingratiated in the Dreamcast and a lot of the massively multiplayer online RPGs. And junior year in high school is like really rough for me. Like that was a bad time in my life. I don't even think I went to high school really. I just kind of moped around and didn't do anything. It was it was pretty miserable actually. But when I did play games, I was playing games like Ultima Online or EverQuest or, you know, those kind of things. Kind of more of my PC gaming experience when I wasn't playing my Dreamcast. Uh, of course, the PS2 was was really building up. So going back and playing a PlayStation game, that was that was something that that was too much to kind of ask during that time. Uh, not that I was opposed to games with like like earlier games. I think I was really on a Castlevania kick during that time as well. I mean, I was on a Castlevania kick for a very long time, but I, I kind of put it down. But I, I did have it. I was very aware of the collection. I was very aware of working designs. So now coming back to it today, it's almost like playing it for the first time, even though I know I've played it in the past. So getting my hands on it for, for this episode. Yeah, it, it is looking it on fresh eyes. I can look at this. I feel objectively and give it really a, a, a fair shake as opposed to having a lot of nostalgia for it. So I'm excited to talk about it from that aspect. But let's get into the story and what we think of the story and the plot. But before we get into what we think about it, we should probably explain it. Shane, you're usually better at this than I am. How about you tell us what the game's basic premise is here? Well, you are a lad. Indeed. Yes. There you go. That's not his name. No. <laughs> what? I want to play as Zelda. <laughs> yeah, all right. So b- the basic premise here, right, is that the game kind of kicks off uh, with this girl. Her name's Kukuru, and she is a member of a, a sacred clan, and they're sort of in charge of protecting like this, this, this flame, the sacred fire. And in true angsty teenager fashion, she she goes up to the fire when she's supposed to go up there and do this like ceremonial whatever thing like she's going to be the next one to be the keeper of the flame and she's just like is this what i really want for my life i don't want your life dad and so then she like lets the flame go out and so basically th- all of the events of this game and all of the the potentially world ending consequences stem from one angsty teenage girl I'm I'm pretty sure that that's kind of what it boils down to. So that, that's pretty much it. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's neat. Um, but she pretty quickly realizes that she's like, oh, that flame was actually kind of important, and it was keeping this great evil at bay. I guess maybe I should fix that. So she ends up meeting Ark, and then the two of them, who are sort of destined to be the great heroes of the world and and save it, though they don't know this necessarily at the time they're kind of whisked away on this adventure and and over the course of it you you end up meeting several different folks who end up in your party for a total of seven right it was seven i believe it's seven and and yeah so you get a pretty colorful cast of characters and you 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 go around and have to go to each different area of of the world with these really nifty airships um i'm still trying to figure out what the obsession with like 90s anime and like pseudo steampunk airships were there were a lot of those i don't I don't know yeah that's cool what caused that what it's cool oh i mean it is cool i just 
I don't know. It's one of those things that like, it was like a big trend and I don't know what caused it. It was the same thing. I brought that up before about like the Easter Island heads, like those showed up in video games a lot back in the day and I have no idea why. Anyway, so you take these airships around, you find the, the MacGuffin thingies to, to collect them all like the Pokemans and uh, you meet up with all of the different elemental guardians of the world and they're basically throwing down a, a very heavy handed like, you know, nature morality story, which again was also very popular with the, the Japanese RPGs. I mean, FF7 comes to mind immediately, but there are plenty of other ones. Yeah. And yeah, so y- y'all become the destined ones to to save the world. That's 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 the very high level. Obviously, there's a lot more, but that's kind of the general gist. Of course, yeah. I, I think I'll kick off what I I think about this. If you want a general idea of how this game goes and how it tells its story, your character's name is Ark, <laughs> and you're looking for an Ark. That's his Ark. <laughs> his Ark. That's his Ark. And everyone else's arc yeah. is part of this arc. Not like the arc Noah's the, arc, yeah, not a too boat, much arc. like the Ark of the Covenant, so it will melt your face or something. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's, that's what this, that's the plot, and that's how it's told. And I don't know if this is a translation thing. I, I, I just got to say, this, the story is boring. It's boring. <laughs> it's like they, they try to do things, like they have try to have twists, but I, I don't know. I think it's more the way it's told and the delivery yeah it's the the progression of it is just very blah so how do i how do i do this ark's father we're just going to get into spoilers i'm just going to say that ark's father <laughs> is supposed to be dead ark senior but then you find out yeah yeah ark senior but then you find out that he's not dead and he's actually trying to guide ark to find the ark because he's the hero of legend and every character you just happen to meet are all heroes of legend. And like, there's, there's no real motivation outside of very surface level things. There's no real development. And there's supposed to be this romantic arc between arc. Yeah. <laughs> it's arcs all the way down. <laughs> arc, 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 arc. There's supposed to be this romantic <laughs> plot line between arc and Kukuru that, that culminates in them supposedly falling in love and falling for each other later in the game. That I just don't feel as developed in the slightest. There's like it feels very awkward and forced. There's like one part in the beginning where I think it's just that. Yeah, it's just them. So obviously they're the only two talking. But it's like she's like talking about you know how she messed up and like you know they're in this and she has to like follow Ark and it's like then she's like I guess we are uh, or it's said in my um, uh, clan that we are inter wine but she like doesn't want to say it i forgot how they word it but you know just because she's saying she like has to be with like this guy but it's like blushing kind of it's like but then that that's it and like they never have any like even remotely of a thing of like they might like each other or she likes him or whatever which goes against her character the entire reason she blows the flame (laughs) out is because i don't want an arranged marriage and then she runs into arc and she's like we're destined to be together. One guy. <laughs> I, like I wish we met Kukuru's tribe because yeah, like, how this the girl entire, get out of here. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. The entire reason this happens is because she doesn't want this arranged marriage. You don't get to meet her pops. You don't get meet her, get to meet her mom. Like, you don't get, you don't get to find out why all this is like, none of that, none of that happens. It's just, it's, 
here comes Ark, and we're just going to follow him as we get these wind spirits and and earth spirits and elemental spirits, and we get these crystals, and you just get them, and it's kind of like here's the crystal, and go find it's 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 really quick too. It's like an eleven hour game, so like you just progress from crystal to crystal to crystal, and it's like boom, it's over. It's an acted. It's just it's I don't know. Fast acting. Yeah, I mean, I mean the 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 big bad, unless I totally miss something, I'm fairly certain is only referred to as the dark one. Like, you don't, you can't really get much more generic than that. And so, you don't okay. fight him. No, you don't. You don't. So, okay, here's the thing. I I don't necessarily care much for the plot. It is like, frankly, bog standard RPG fantasy type schlock. I mean, it's fine, but it's you're going to forget it like the moment that you finish this game. But I, I think yes. the thing that really stands out for me is the characters. For sure. I, I do. I do like the characters in your party. I think they all have their own distinct personalities. And I will say that some of that I would imagine it is at least, you know, in part due to working designs, translation of the text, because they generally like to inject their own, sort of like quirks and sense of humor into it. Although I will say that that is like, this is the least amount of working designs in a game that they have brought over that we've played so far that I've seen. Like it's yes, they, they, they were real tame in this one by comparison. And maybe that's just because they were crunched for, you know, time doing a whole collection. But, but I, I, I did like each of the characters and the fact that you have seven different ones and surprisingly, at least to me, it never felt like it was too overwhelming. I thought it was going to be because having seven different party members feels like a lot, but it never really felt that way, which I think is good. But I did appreciate that each one is very distinct from one another. And for the record, if we're throwing out favorites, I am partial to old man Gogan. I think he's awesome. Like on the, we'll, we'll get to this in the, the other sections like graphics and whatnot but i just i just love his general demeanor like in the the map screen like he's just kind of like floating around smoking a pipe or just chilling yeah i like uh as death animations good and uh uh what's he has pretty much yeah yeah, eyebrows for eyes basically just long eyebrows (laughs) too they're like eye ponytails just draped down and uh yeah it's uh you said you were playing cs Sea of Stars, Chris, right? No, I, I've placed it Sea of Stars, I yeah. Because I felt like the, just, I guess this might be with the graphics, but there was a lot of that with the uh, characters. I felt like, and I know a lot of RPGs have done this, but I liked with how they show a lot of the characters in between uh, the, I guess, the world maps and stuff with this. But uh, that felt like it had more story in between those parts when they're just like making food like when you're saving, <laughs> like, and depending who have you, who you have in the party at the time and stuff, like, like, I want to know that yeah. story. And so what the hell's like, going yeah. on right like, now? There's more, what are you there cooking? is more personality when you're at the map and trying to decide where yeah. you want to go from your characters than they emote at all during the actual narrative. And why does like, it's because of, I guess how you level up and stuff, but it's like Ark gets all the guardians almost like already. Like, I mean, I guess you have to find the stones and stuff, but it's like usually with an RPG, you don't get like the power of whatever guardian until you've done that part. But it's like he already has like 
at least when you do the specials during the battle, like you'll have like the fire one for like the burning ground or whatever. And uh, you'll have like the space one and like the water one. And it's like you don't even have to get to those points of the story to actually have the guardians. It just always didn't make sense to me. That's a good point. Cause I, I, I picked up on that too. It's like, Oh, these abilities that I have are tied to the, yeah, it's the like in Lunar, if you had, you yeah. know, like, uh, you had like all the dragon's powers just because you leveled up, like it just wouldn't make sense, you know? Well, yeah, that's, that's the thing is that it's all strictly tied to his character level, which I, for one, am definitely going to be talking about in the gameplay section a little bit later, but same. Yes. But in terms of the plot itself, I thought it was poorly delivered. I think you make a good point in terms of the characters because... I do like Gogan. I do like Poco. Poco's awesome. Tosh has his has his moments. But other than that, Chengara is an interesting character. But I feel like as soon as you pick up Chengara, that's his yeah. That's it. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Like he's in your party now. He feels like an optional character, oddly. That's that's kind of how I feel. I think like the the back end, like the back half of this game in terms of how it tells the story, which is already basic enough. They just kind of assume that you know what's going on and they just put it on autopilot. And now it's like, you, you know what's happening. We're not really going to tell you anything. And here's Ark's dad. And here he's, yeah, he's royalty and whatever. And yeah, aren't you, aren't you interested? And it's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> and then the end of the game happens. And oh my God. it's like, that's it. It's like to be continued. Like, and I cannot stand that when games do that. When they have the audacity to assume that they're going to be successful enough to warrant a sequel. Okay, well, hold or they're on, good hold warrant on, a sequel. hold on. I, we can't throw that uh-huh. at them this time because it's not an assumption. They initially, they wanted to make this game longer. Like the, it was going to be a much bigger affair. And then they realized that at the time they couldn't really do that. And so what they ended up doing was taking the plan for the whole thing and splitting it up into two games. So the plan was always to have two games. And so that's why they have that to be continued at the end is because they already knew the second one was going to be coming because it was basically one game split into two very unequal halves. But you did you guys watch that making of thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't have time. <laughs> I mean, it is but... a big waste of time. I'll say that. it's it's a lot of more funny <laughs> things just seeing. Yeah, I, I, I the, there's some. I guess, you know, for that uh, episode, some interesting things to pick up on. But yeah, the it definitely like I didn't know that either. And they said that in the making of and getting into the second one, it ties in with the first one. Again, like I haven't played the third one, but it's the second one is just it goes right into like this, this story that it is good to play the first one. And they like, you know, it's not like Lunar where there's these big shifts and they're tied together. I just felt like it's like after playing uh, the first one, then you get into the second one. It's just like the first five minutes of the story of the second one's just more compelling and has more going on than this entire game. And it's like, I guess that's cool. But then you're just like, what the fuck did I just do for this other game? You know, (laughs) I don't know if that would fix it if it was all one big game. So I don't know. Well, in Japan, I can tell you what they did in the first game, and that was spend probably about 6,000 yen. That's what they did in the first game. Yeah, it almost, I mean, (laughs) we're kind of, I think we're deviating from the plot line discussion, but I I almost feel like it was a uh, 
test almost. Like it was just like, yeah, well, let's that's what let's, let's throw this out there and see if people like it, and then we'll we'll roll out the rest of it that we've got. You know, it, it, here's the weird thing. I'm, I'm going to pull this probably in a couple times. This is the first time I'm bringing it up. If I bring it up again, I probably will. I don't know if I will or not. But Toshiro Sushida, if you've played a front mission game, the stories in those games are fucking bonkers. And they are detailed. Like there's a lot of political intrigue. It just goes all over the place. There's there's a lot of writing. This does not feel like that at all. So it really makes me wonder. I, I'd have to really get into the nitty gritty and see how many people swapped out from like Front Mission and Langrisser and a lot of other the games that G Craft made, or or I think Messiah was the, the company that they were before G Craft. And just be like, what happened? Because the way that they tell their stories in the other games that they develop is is much different and much more, I won't say focused, but like, I don't know, a lot more wordy and a lot more thought out. And it just felt like this is just, I think you're right, Shane. Like, this is an entirely basic test when it comes to the plot here. When it's like, hey, I we don't even know if this is going to be successful. This is our first game on the PlayStation. Let's just try to get something out here and see how it goes. Mm-hmm. And that it gives those vibes. That's what this is. It's like, hey, let's just get our feet wet with the PS One, yeah, and, and it, it make feels, make it happy. Yeah, it feels like a it feels like a shareware. Like it feels like like the old like Doom shareware or something where you play the first episode, then it's like, hey, if you liked this, we got like way more coming later that you can buy. Like that's kind of what this feels like. Right. But and they yeah. like tried to do they tried to like cover every single base of like an RPG, but at least just the first page of it. But it's like, you didn't have to maybe have all that because, you know, it's like, they have a secret dungeon. They have all these things that it's like, I guess expands the game, but maybe if you were trying to make this first one, I guess hit better. Like, yeah, make the story more like uh detailed or just, you know, um, interesting. I'm not saying they have to like, really knock it out of the park but this small game they still tried to like spread it out so thin yeah so can we all agree that we're we're talking about gameplay now (laughs) yeah yeah i think we beat up on this plot a little too much all right so so yes (laughs) let's move on so ryan i agree with you it it, you you actually put it really well i I wasn't sure how i was going to phrase this but you did a pretty good job there um it does it, it does feel like it's trying to do too many things it but somehow also being like almost not enough like it's it's attempting a lot of things and not really nailing necessarily like almost any of them (sighs) okay um let's see so in terms of gameplay from from like a strategy rpg slash tactical rpg standpoint i i don't I actually kind of like it because it's so straightforward. It, it's a nice change. Like if you're if you're not the kind of person that wants to get super involved into you know a roster of like thirty different characters with like twenty job changes and subclasses and equipment and whatever synergies. Like if you don't want to deal with all that stuff, like this is probably for you. It's it's incredibly straightforward. It's it's actually probably a pretty good introduction to strategy rpgs just in general it is very accessible and that was kind of the team's intention so on that front i think they did a pretty good job but having said that outside of just the basic sort of tactical gameplay when you're actually on the 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 battle grid there's a lot of things that felt weird to me one standout being the 
well, technically accessories is what they're called, but there's basically equipment like your gear. Yeah, it really <laughs> threw me off because like I'm so used to games, especially RPGs, you know, doing the thing where like they got a shop in town where you can go and buy gear that you want to equip on your characters and make those choices. And there's none of that yeah. here. Like it's all either drops from enemies somewhat rarely or in most cases strictly tied to your story progression like they're just given to you and to be fair i have not looked at the manual for arc the lad so i'm sure there's probably better information in there i usually do but i didn't look for this one but not having read like an instruction manual or anything some of them are pretty straightforward where it's just like hey this gives you 10 percent more defense and i'm like neat i got it and then there are other ones that I have no fucking idea what they do, where they're just like, yeah, you get j- jump level one. And I'm like, okay, so I'm going to assume that means that-, that my character can jump over low obstacles when he couldn't before. No. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> kind, of. kind of. Yeah, It's really strange. And it felt, honestly, it felt kind of bad. Like, it feels unnecessary. It's one of those things where it almost feels like hey, this is an RPG and people expect to have gear, so let's throw this in, but let's not go, you know, 100% all in on it and do shops and different types of gear and, you know, certain things that only certain characters can equip, like class-based stuff and all the things you would expect. None of that's here and it feels kind of superfluous, but then also simultaneously confusing because I was just like sort of randomly just equipping things on people yeah. and hoping for the best Let their names next to it you're like yeah. um i uh ninja gets right. sword or uh this person gets card uh, yeah. i don't like and Dude, you know the rock fucking just kills throwing everybody. rocks are so op oh, yeah. in this game i, I was, don't like, understand that get rid of and I, I avoided that i i avoided that at first because like what's the fucking rock going to do and then later in the game i think even like on the the second to last battle which is probably the hardest battle in the demon, entire game yeah. when you have to fight all those like demon lord things that battle sucked but i was like i'm just gonna throw rocks at them it's like doing 160 damage like what the fuck <laughs> like, what is going on you have the power to literally call space lasers from the sky but no this yeah this fucking stone you found it's a pebble i saved the world with the mightiest weapon on earth oh what did you save it with a pebble you always had the power from the very beginning because it's like the oh. first item you have. Duh, that's the arc. Yeah. It was in, in your house if, once you if you randomly clicked on something. You stole from your mom. Yeah, it was in your mailbox. Yeah. yeah, the ultimate weapon. But just to kind of build on what you said there, Shane, this is this is like a really boiled down version of of Shining Force. And when the first battle came up, I got excited. That was the first thing I thought. I was like, oh, okay. This is kind of more of like an action RPG slash strategy RPG game. Because in most strategy RPGs, what do you do? You go up to your enemy, you position yourself, which you still do here, but then you have to stop, select your character, select the action you want them to do, select them to the action you want them to do on the character that you want them to perform it on. You get this weird animation. Everything kind of slows down to a little bit of a crawl. Uh, you see something cool, and then you see the damage, and then you move on your way. This you walk up to the enemy and then you press the attack button and your character attacks like it's an action RPG and then your turn's over, which I thought was really cool. But it still has a lot of the same things like magical spells, 
operate the same way you would in a traditional strategy RPG where you select it, they cast the spell and like you get a big animation because that was the thing of the time. And then the, the damage happens and, you know, everyone's happy or whatever. Uh, but what, what pissed me off the most about it is in that in most strategy RPGs, when you have one of your teammates, you can just walk through yeah, that. Yeah, that is can't such do a that drag. In nope. Ark the Lad. You can jump over them, though. Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes. There's no real rhyme or reason to when you can or cannot jump over them. Sometimes you can. Sometimes you can't. Are you going to know when? Uh, no. It says that your jump leveled up, whatever that means, because your jump can level up, and then you still can't jump over them. So I don't know what it means. But like the, some of these maps, the way they're designed, yeah. it just becomes a choke point. And it, it just becomes a, a game of my fastest character is just going to kill everything. And your fastest character is also your highest level character. So your highest level character continues to gain levels while all of your other characters don't. And then when you go into a battle and your other characters aren't prepared, characters that can heal you or cast spells and are otherwise useful if they were at the proper level, get slaughtered. And that is never fun because then you're like, now I have to go back to this dungeon in the middle of the game and just have Poco <laughs> fight like slimes for an hour until Poco can do something different. Dude, it's always Poco. It's always Poco. And that uh, way he's no, the best. Well, once Poco gets high enough level, then he's a badass. You have to slow him down because of his lion drum, which you have to level up Poco, by the way, because there's missable items yeah, in this that's... fucking game. <laughs> My favorite. If you don't fight certain if you don't fight a certain battle with Poco, you don't get an item. Uh, if you don't check your mailbox at Ark's house, which why would you do that, by the way? Why would you go back to your house in between? going to locations i don't fucking know why but this game expects you to but if you don't check your mailbox in between one location and going to another location you're going to miss an item which is the most powerful which helps make the most powerful summon in the game for chibgara and that's the only thing he's fucking useful for because otherwise he sucks <laughs> that's fuck i mean i like his little healing summon that i found that to be pretty useful that was, yeah, yeah, that was useful. It did probably happen to me the first time I played it too, but that one level where um you needed Chengara's like spider thing to like make the the um the floors. Yeah, they get the treasure like, chest. I guess you don't mm -hmm. it, it's like they just don't tell you that that's what that thing does. I guess you'd probably try it out, but Oh, and that dungeon you know, is only accessible totally once. All that. Yeah, that's yeah like I definitely fuck. missed two of the chests in there because yeah, I ran out of mana on the little creature. Oh, you know how you're supposed to you know how you're supposed to get it. You're supposed to have that creature die and then resummon him. Yeah, well, that was the thing is I thought like, so he ran out of mana, right? Because I used, I had to make like three platforms in order to get over to one of the chests. And I was like, okay, he's, he's out. So maybe if I go and try to use that action, that summon action again, it'll maybe like unsummon him and then I can bring back a fresh one. No, no. You gotta, you gotta just suicide him into a bunch of enemies and hope that they kill him so that you can get a new one. Sometimes the AI is just like it, it does, it just dumb? doesn't want to fight. It's so dumb. <laughs> like what? It's it's dumb. Yeah, it's it's incredibly dumb. I've had Ed, I've had my party members standing right out in the open, well within range of certain enemies, and they'll just kind of do this like yeah. shimmy sham back and forth business. And I'm just like, it's what are you, what are funny. you doing? Like, are they intimidating? Uh, that's me? usually slimes. Yeah. I mean, it's usually slimes that do that because other enemies will just 
bum rush you. They'll kill yeah. your weakest character and kind of laugh at you. And I had to reload one fight sucks. because like the first battle I got into with Gogan, uh, they used some ability that basically one shot him like first turn, <laughs> like they loaded up first turn and they were just like, boom. And I was like, oh, my old man is dead. <laughs> Great. There's a lot of one shotting if you're not prepared in this game. And then like if, if you're a high enough level, then you're one shotting them. But if you're just not the right level, then you're getting one shot. It's OK. So that, it's weird. It is weird. It's. So it's uh, this leads into one of my other issues with this and the game it's I think it's poorly balanced. Oh yeah, that, I would, for, I would, for yeah. such a short game, right? Because it's like ten-ish hours to to finish it comfortably. For such a short game, there should never be a point, yeah, at which you feel like you have to grind. It's a ten-hour fucking game, and yet, and yet. Like right off the bat, and I told Chris this in our in our Discord a little while ago when I started playing the game. The first time you leave like the starting area and you go to get onto the big airship to fly to your first major destination, the the guard standing at the airship basically tells you it's it's like a it's like a, a gear check where he's just like, Hey, so once once you go here, you, you can't come back. Like this this is a one way trip, man. Like, are you are you feeling all right about that? And I'm like <laughs> Well, fucking not now. Not not that you said that. <laughs> and so, like, the right. game is subtly telling you, like, hey, 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 those, like, one or two areas you have available to you, go fucking grind them again for a while. I'm like, really? I'm, like, two hours into this game, dude. Like, come on. And then, later on, once you go to that, that mountaintop monastery, and you get, what's his nuts, Iga, and you leave there as you're getting back onto the airship to leave. One of the monks from the monastery is just like, Hey, uh, you know, our, our arena is open. If you ever feel like you're too weak and you want to come back and train up. And I'm like, are you fucking serious game? Like you're just, you have an area dedicated to party grinding in a 10 hour RPG. They like, do come on. They have three areas dedicated to party grinding. And it's just, it feels like it's just so poorly paced because in such a short game and it feels so like it's so dissonant to me because well because yeah. like, like chris said right like it's it's very streamlined it's very straightforward you go from mcguffin to mcguffin to mcguffin to the end and like that's it but somehow even though it's so like point a to point b to point c it's still not balanced well that like point b's encounter might totally whoop your ass if you didn't stay at point a and grind for a while first like it's just wild to me because i feel like it would have been such a better experience and and i will say i noticeably had more fun with this game in the spots of the game where i could just progress from one thing to the next agreed comfortably it felt good like i was enjoying myself but the moment i got to a point where it was very clear that i was like oh these guys are fucking two-shotting my characters i guess i should go back and replay that same level again which is not randomized by the way so it's just the same exact layout every single time it made me just like not want to keep playing and that's so wild to me that in such a short game that is such a streamlined story you somehow still need to go and do grinding in order to like progress like, that's just a serious balance issue. So one of the things I, I looked up a guide at one point because it was getting my ass handed to me. Go look up a guide. Any 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 of you go look up a guide for Ark the Lad. 
think the most popular one over at GameFAQs, but this is the one I'm referencing. It has a battle that says your recommended level, which I'm assuming is for Ark because Ark yeah. gets all the levels because his abilities are fucking OP and amazing. Mm-hmm. Him and Tosh, essentially, and Ega to an extent. Go again if you level him up enough, he can be a badass as well. But it's it's mostly Ark because Ark is like the fastest one he's always he's engaged. The, lad. the recommended level, yeah, he is the lad. He is the, he is the bad lad. <laughs> the lad. Uh, he is yes. the lad. It'll say recommended level 25. And then the next battle, it says recommended level 35. <laughs> I'm like, how, how am I supposed to gain 10 levels between one battle? This isn't like uh, any other RPG no. where you walk and you run into battles. You know, you have to go to a battle if you want to level up, you know? It, it's, it's not... That, that guy doesn't shit you. The, the next battle expects you to be around 35, level 35. And the only way that you're going to know that without a guide is going to that battle and just getting obliterated. That's the only way. Yep. That's it. I forgot. It doesn't show you your like XP stuff, does it? Or like, well, yeah, you can see your like, XP you progress. Does, is that what you mean? Right. Like on the status screen? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But you don't yeah. know like what, you know, you just know if someone's tough, you'll get yeah. just XP. <laughs> like it's not like 10 or something. You know, you also get experience for getting attacked too. Yeah. yeah. And like and I using think you, items. I think much. you get it. pretty much yeah, any action. Anything. Yeah. Any action will give you at least some XP. Although I think you're right, Ryan. I don't remember seeing any like explicit XP values for any of those things. So it's pretty unclear as to what you have to do yeah. to level up, like how much you have to do. It's yeah, like I said, it's just crazy to me that there's that much padding in like an already short game. Like if there wasn't I think if this game was balanced better to where you could just go from one critical battle to the next first of all it'd be like probably half as long anyway and i think it'd be better for it like like i said i genuinely was enjoying this game when i could just smoothly go from one battle to the next like it's not and i know we've spent a lot of time pretty much mercilessly shitting on this but despite that i don't think it's a bad game I think it's not broken. No, no. it's, it's yeah. not broken. And I, I unironically <laughs> genuinely was having fun at certain points. I think it's just really hindered by some like questionable design decisions. That's, I think that's really what it is. I a hundred percent agree. The second one like solves this pretty much right in the beginning where the main character in the second one, he's like a bounty hunter. And that's like basically at the beginning, how you can do stuff to grind and it's like you just do bounty hunting quests that have nothing really to do they're just all side quests basically but like if this had that where instead of just like random dungeons or just places you had to go back to maybe like something more of a uh maybe thing to the plot of arc the lad one that you know you would want to go out and just maybe explore the land or something or do something like maybe maybe arc has i don't know some hobby or some shit i don't know (laughs) he really just really gets into macrame (laughs) no but but that's a no but you bring up a good point though because like i don't inherently dislike grinding even though it sounds like i kind of do i don't i mean fuck um i arpgs are like one of my if not top favorite genre of games that is literally nothing but a skinner box it's just grinding like i'm fine with it the grind has to be enjoyable for sure that's that's the key yes 
And I think, yes. and, and what you just said, actually, what I think fix a lot of the issues that I have with this first game. So I'm glad they did that in the second one, because I, I, I actually want to check it out at some point here, especially since the save data carries over. But if they had introduced something like that, where it's not you just going and like, oh, well, I guess I got to play that same exact level and the same exact layout again for the fifth time, even just the illusion of of choice, the illusion of having something different to do or like a bounty board or something like that, or even fuck, even side quests, like in the few areas where you do get to sort of free roam, which are not many and they're very small in this one, but, you know, talking to an NPC or something and they're just like, oh, there's a village over here that got attacked by the demons and you should go save them and you'll get this thing or whatever. Like, I think that would be enough. Like yeah. that'd be enough for me to be like, okay, yeah, I can, I can do that. And the other thing that would make it better to Chris's point is if, if you're gonna have that, right? Like if you're going to have the next like plot critical encounter be significantly higher level than where you were last time, just put a fucking level number on it. Like when you go and highlight the area that you're supposed to go to, just say like, derp a derp planes level 35 right like that's that's all i want because then i know i have the information i'm like oh the 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 monsters in this area are level 35 and i clearly am not so maybe i should go do some side quests or some bounties or whatever like there are some fairly minor things that i think would make this at least feel a lot better if you're not gonna just take all the grind out completely yeah I don't really have much to echo on that. I think you're 100% right. The only other thing I would add here is I don't like the fact you can't position where your characters are pre-battle. Yeah. That irritates you never the know hell out where of me. Anyone or is. you can't position them after they're done moving. No. Yeah. yeah that, that sucks. But, well, because I mean, it those, does those matter, are mi- relatively minor gripes, but it does. It, it 100% does. Well, it affects yeah, your counter you can counterattack. Yeah, exactly. It affects yeah. your counterattack rate because, like, if you... If you attack an enemy from the front, there's a much higher chance that they'll counter you or just dodge you completely. And same goes for your character. So like it does matter and it sucks that you can't choose which way you're facing. Like once you've completed your movement, because you end up getting stuck in a lot of situations where at best you're like kind of like showing your side to the enemy because you can't position yourself in a way to like front face them. Right, right. I mean, that's that's more of a minor thing because there are ways around it and you just have to not be where you exactly want to be, which is fine for a tactical strategy RPG. Like sometimes you have to accept those sacrifices. It's just it's, it is an annoyance, but uh, I will say I, I'm, I'm kind of fine with that. And again, like I normally say when we just get out of shitting on a game for a long time, uh, when this game hums, it hums. Yeah, but yeah, it, it, it doesn't it, it almost doesn't. Like when it starts humming, it says, "Okay, we're we're going to fuck you up a little bit." That kind of sucks. But yeah, when when it when it wants to be good, it's fine. It's fine. It's perfectly fine. <laughs> I like the uh the one dungeon that has like all the, the it's like the insane like fifty floor dungeon, and it has you're all, all everyone's coming out of the same entry point, which I guess would be like realistic if you want to say. But it's like it's yeah. so annoying when you're going through and you're just like. Ugh. Like I have to get everybody out, like until in like the <laughs> order it's going, and just to in you know if it's a different floor, you're like, all right, now it's just hard to like play out. It's just it's so annoying. Yeah. It is. I mean, the good thing is is that you only need to do that place really once. I did it multiple times. Yeah, I did it's it a ton not of times because that was the best place but... to grind. I thought. 
Yeah. For sure, yeah. But I think I think that's enough for the gameplay. And I think it's time to move on to the presentation aspects. Ryan, I'll, I'll let you kick this one off with with the graphics. What did you think the what did you think of the graphics in Ark the Lad? I like them a lot. I it's I guess when I was like uh, when you guys are going over the brief history and stuff, it does seem like I guess thinking back that I guess maybe not like the best at the time. Like there's probably so much other like 3D stuff going on, and like I think for this style and like you know it has like the whole anime look to it i i liked it a lot you know like each character is different you know they have the whole uh all the sprites doing there's so much sprite work in it with almost like too much even for a lot of the side characters and like npcs and stuff i feel like it's um i i I don't know how to say but it's uh it's it's really good. I I like it more than I dislike it. I just feel like they could have done better with maybe like the enemies, but overall mm. it's I like all the how the characters look. I like how everyone has their own specific no one looks the same besides uh Paco is that his name or Pico or wait what's the instrument Poco. guy? Poco, yeah. yeah. How he looks like the entire army. But I like it a lot. It's 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 weird because it's like they tried to do like Ark is supposed to be like generic knight, I guess. But he does have like some like he's kind of like a ninja too, I guess. I don't know what kind of like era they were trying to go out with him. Because then there's Tosh, who's a samurai, and it's like okay. And then there's just like all these like Street Fighter characters just coming out of nowhere. (laughs) I don't know, but it's it's cool because like with everybody's like style of fighting, you know, it's fun seeing all the different specials and stuff like that. Like. I would always make sure playing this game, like I'd have to do every single, every single special attack just to see the animation, which I think, you know, shows that, you know, it did a good job at the graphics or didn't, I guess. I'll I'll go next here. I will start out by saying overall, like the character sprites and when it comes to even enemies for the most part, I would say the character sprites, they're not bad. I don't think they're great either. I don't, I don't think they're very good. I think that's more of the art choice, the art design style, than the actual sprites themselves, because I think they're very well put together. But in terms of the art style and aesthetic choice that they went with, that that was not something that sat well with me. I thought the characters looked really weird. Like, they are super deformed, but, like, oddly super deformed, if that makes sense. And if you want to know what I mean by super deformed, it's also another word for chibi. Big heads, little bodies that's something that you you see a lot in japan that's what sd gundam stands for if you know what sd gundam is super deformed gundam but i I didn't i didn't like it stylistically now when it comes to the environments now the environments won't blow your mind they're not anything new Uh, this does look like a very glossed up super nintendo game overall i would say but it's sprite based now just for the record too i played this on a ps3 through the PS1 Classic, so there's a yeah. little bit of a blur factor on there because the, the sharpness doesn't really come out as well as it would on a on a CRT or maybe even through like a retro tank or something like that. So my my visuals were a little bit more degraded than probably what a lot of other people experience it on otherwise. But the I thought the environments were really good. I thought they were really well designed. I thought the airship, like when it airship takes off out of when it comes out of a port and how that's all sprites and how how fluid the sprite movement is, I think that's very impressive. So the environments, the the environmental detail when it's there, it, it, again, it won't blow your mind, but I I think that it's it's very good looking, especially for the time in 1995. 
coming out of the 16-bit era. In fact, a lot of 16-bit games were still being made, so that that could have been a design philosophy that was made initially in in the early development stages of this game. And I do think that, well, I won't. I don't want to use the word use the word impressive. It's it's definitely solid. Like I don't have issues with it. There's also CG and the CG cutscenes, which for 1995 I thought were very good. They're not going to compare to like a Final Fantasy VII or a game we covered late last year in Oddworld. Uh, I think they're not close to that. But I think for a 1995 game, early PlayStation game, they are extremely acceptable. And yeah, I I, I think they're okay. I think they're okay. Shane. Uh, yeah, I think I'm gonna actually generally side a bit more with Ryan on this one in that I. I actually like them quite a bit. Like, I don't think there's anything incredibly mind blowing here, but I I always have to give credit where it's due when a game makes me stop and say like, wow, that looks really good. Cause not every game does that. And this one has a couple of those moments. There's at least one or two of them where it's literally just like the, the airship docking scene, but the backgrounds that they have, are really really nice they look really good and and i do like the combination well of a couple of things actually so the it's and i think ryan i think you mentioned this in the the show notes that we've got that you put down so i'm I'm kind of stealing this a little bit but in a way it reminds me a little bit of like a proto octopath traveler sort of in that it, it kind of mixes and matches some of the styles in a somewhat similar way where you've got your sprite characters, but then like, again, I'm going back to the airships as just a good example where those are akin to like more of what you would see in, in later, some later PlayStation games and things like that, where it's, it's like, it's technically still pixel work. Like it's not a 3d model, but the style of it is, is very different. It's like, it's a more detailed, so it, it like visually it's distinct and it's kind of hard for me to nail down exactly and describe it when you see it you, you know like porn sure yeah <laughs> i guess but like those those elements almost feel like they're they're part of like a pre-rendered background but they're moving if that makes sense at all so like stylistically that's kind of where they're at and then you do have some things that at least unless i'm totally mistaken i'm pretty sure they actually are 3d polygonal models and a lot of that tends to come just in like the effects for some of the spells so yeah like the the fire spell that arc has like will have this sort of like undulating sort of like explosion of lava that is definitely three-dimensional um so it's this kind of neat mix of all of these things that i i actually really appreciated like i thought overall this game looks pretty good and I, I do like the fluidity of the animations, and that is something that they specifically point out in that documentary that Ryan mentioned a little while ago, where at the time, a lot of like idle animations or things like that were really only like maybe two or three frames, and that was it, um, and just cycling through that, where this game generally roughly doubles that, so you're looking at more like six, which doesn't sound like a lot. But side by side, it does allow for a lot more natural movement and fluidity in that animation. And so a lot of them do look really good. And there is a lot of attention to detail. Um, like one of my favorites, again, I'm going back to the, to the old guy, but 
Gogan, like when you go and pull up his spell radial menu, like he'll pull out his big old freaking Coke bottle glasses and start reading like a spell book and just like neat little touches like that, that I really appreciate. So no, I mean, is it like something, is it like a hallmark? Is it going to stand out amongst all the others? Like not necessarily, but I thought it was done pretty well. I, I enjoyed pretty much all of it. I don't think I even have any, any real gripes, which is unusual. Damn it, Shane, you're positive, 100% positive on this? I, I think so. <sighs> I, I don't really have anything Shit. negative to say about the graphics. I, well, I, I, I got much something them. <laughs> to say. Fine. Uh, <laughs> All right, well, there you go. There, Ryan will be the, the, the balance. <laughs> I mean, it's not really anything big, and it just could be nitpicking and all that, but... It, it seems like they just obviously put it all into the main characters and just like obviously who you're going to be and, you know, follow and stuff. But it's like the enemies just seem to be so generic and they're either palette swapped or colored swapped or whatever what you want to call it. But, you know, there's not really that many like bosses in this either. I just kind of feel like they should have had more variety in that. And like it had been cool to see like maybe some different ideas and again it's just one of my like nitpick things but i don't really like when a, in a story like this where it's like someone comes out to be like the bad guy like like in the tournament like when the announcer's the bad guy and it's like he just turns into one of these like guys you fought like a bunch of times and it's like i get it you know it's i guess it yeah. might might be like cutting a little corner and stuff but like couldn't they just made a couple more different sprites there's not that many bosses like this if you want to even say that that was the only thing i wish that would have had more variety i guess for the enemies i think that's fair that's fair i wish there was more variety as well uh something we didn't talk about in the gameplay the, the boss fights kind of suck when you do get them they they're hella lame yeah hella lame and like there's no i don't know if i i'm pretty sure it's like every single battle i mean you have to clear the map i mean they're I guess it's not really a big deal if you there isn't like something to do in every single battle, but you know, in a lot of tactics stuff that at least I've played, it's like sometimes if you kill, you know, the main bad guy, like the fight's over. You know, I always hate when it's like I guess this is I'm glad they don't do this and this, but like if like Ark died, you're you get a game over. That usually sucks. I'm ha yeah, I'm happy they didn't do that either. So now it's time to move on to the music and sound. And as we posted in the brief history, one of this game's claim to fame is that it was the first game with an orchestral soundtrack using the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra. I will start out with Shane on this one. Shane, was it a good <laughs> use of the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra or was it a waste? I feel like this is a leading question, but I... I, I don't, I don't, I don't think I would have known unless somebody had told me. I, I just feel like this was kind of a wasted opportunity. I don't know. I might be a little too harsh on it, but I didn't like, I just feel like having a full ass orchestra seems like there should have been an opportunity for way more to be done here. And it didn't feel like it. Ryan. But how else would you know the stats of all your characters? If you didn't have this music, that's, you know what? That's a good question. Behind I don't it. know. I take back everything I said. I mean, I like the 
the track and you know the music's good but it's just like they definitely show that they put a lot of money into that and they thought it was gonna just like that's all that's all you have to do for a game is just have the phil harmonic orchestra behind it and they uh, did make their money back to be fair okay well i guess fuck me then but uh <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny because they use the same one for the opening in the anime so i'd be like i guess you know people know it i maybe i didn't know like the whole arc the lad like theme you know as well as i guess they made it up to be you know it's this is just one of those like songs i guess that it just well now since we we've done like an episode about but it's just like it just doesn't ring any bells that it was even arc the lad it just sounds kind of like everything else that any orchestral band would do i guess that's pretty wild yeah i'm with both of you when i saw that i had to do a double take that this was the first game to have a fully orchestral soundtrack I was like, really? This one? Okay. I, it's, it's extremely repetitive and generic. And yeah. that's not to say that the music is bad. Yeah, exactly. It's just, it's just, it's not very varied. I think like the, uh, the like you're going, the, the final battle has slightly different music from, from what I remember, but usually in a good strategy RPG, you, you see this in Final Fantasy Tactics, you see this in Shining Force, you see this in really any strategy RPG. Is that when these stakes rise in the battle, the music matches to the occasion. That did not happen here at all. It, they they used like the, the generic battle that you fought like in the second battle of the game. And that's the same battle music that's going to be playing in the second to last battle of the game. And the second to last battle of the game, which I already mentioned, is like the is like one of the variations of a character that comes out when you douse the flame that can just one shot your characters and kill them. It's a very powerful enemy. It's a very evil enemy. And you're using the same yeah. battle music to, that you use to fight slimes. It doesn't work. There's like five tracks in this whole game. So <laughs> that's what it feels like. It does. And it's just uh, the quality's not bad. But the variation isn't isn't great. And that's the and like the tracks themselves, like the sound quality, when I see sound like quality, like the sound quality is fine, but the tracks themselves are just kind of eh, eh. yeah, like, it's unmemorable. I, I don't remember any of them. I, I couldn't tell you. Yeah. And they, it's like they just make at least with I guess the most different tracks I could think of is just when you're going to different parts of the map and world, I guess. But then those are just trying to be like, we're in yeah. the desert place. We're in Kung Fu temple. And it's, you know, like you could only just, I'll just say, just think about what, if you would compose that in your head, that's what it's going to sound like. You know, I will say the sound effects were good. Oh yeah. That's the, I think that's where it definitely shines more than the music. Yeah. The, the sound direction was good. And interestingly and work because working designs was known for doing their own voice acting they they started out in cd games they they did a lot of localization when it came to voice acting you know use some of their staff as we famously talked about with john truett and galleon of course but arc the lad did not change yeah. any of the voices they're all the japanese voices which is fine with me i don't mind that i think they're all good so there is that i i like how they sound when they're doing their abilities and I like how the, how their abilities sound and everything like that. I think the sound direction overall is, is fantastic. I just think that uh, the music direction is very mundane. Yeah. I mean, I will, uh, yeah, I will agree that I was actually surprised by how crisp and like uncompressed the, the voice 
clips are like in yeah. in battle like they're very clear mm-hmm. like they sound really good um and, they do. and that and that was a big deal back then as well it's one of the things that i think drew a lot of people to it as far as the yeah the ost man like i, I by the way i just went and double checked while the two of you were talking the full ost for arc the lad is less than an hour long if that <laughs> oh, gives God. you any idea it's not yeah i think chris you might have said it. it it's not that the quality of it is bad it's not bad at all it's just that there's i don't think there's enough of it so i i would agree on that front and there's some weird like stylistic choices too like i remember when you get to the that that monastery in the mountains where you eventually meet Iga, i think it's like when you first get there or something you you would expect that it'd be some like sweeping orchestral thing that reminds you of like you know frosty winds and tall mountain peaks and whatever and it's like a weird jazzy bass line <laughs> with an electric guitar or some shit and i'm yeah. just like what is this they love that shit it's 90s baby oh yeah there's like it's 95 we're, we're embracing it <laughs> they just like they went full <laughs> seinfeld on this and i'm like what is going on why this doesn't match at all <laughs> i think uh it's uh chagara his his shop thing's actually pretty good. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. But like you don't need to go there at all. <laughs> I don't know. It's just Yeah. Funny. So no, I mean overall I think the quality itself is good. It's just and and maybe because it was the first one that did it, I don't know. I yeah, I just think that there some more variety would have been really nice and just some more consistency's not the word, but how do I phrase this? Like matching like tonally matching the the music with like what's going on or where you're currently at. Like sometimes it's very hit or miss. Like you said, like when you, when you get to the desert area, it's just like, yeah. Oh, this shit sounds like Aladdin. All right, cool. But then like, like I said, that monk <laughs> monastery is just like full on slap bass. And I'm like, what, what is <laughs> happening right now? They are the monks of smooth jazz. Shane. They are. They, are. <laughs> they study the way of the funk. They're like, what kind of music did you expect? I think you're stereotyping <laughs> us. You bigot. I just, I just wanted some <laughs> Mongolian throat singing. It'd be nice if even just every character kind of had their own theme. You'd think anyone, uh, they would get their own themes, at least for how like they just identify with all the characters. Every character has, you know, this look and this style and it's like, they didn't even try to do that. Yeah. No character themes mm. that I, I, I love character. Yeah. Themes and they did not do not that. Not even arc, but it's like, then they just give it like, they just say arcs is the opening, I guess. So. I think that's something that makes a composer like Uematsu, for example, so strong is Uematsu's use of character themes and leitmotifs. And I think when you play a lot of RPGs, that's what you start to expect in pretty much every other game that you play in that yeah. genre. And then when you don't get that, it feels awkward. And Ark the Lad doesn't do that. So it feels out of place. You don't get a lot of you don't get a lot of proper theming. You don't get a lot of character theming. You don't get a lot of those light motifs or common common threads without throughout the soundtrack. Nothing really ties everything together. So it it kind of feels out of place. And with the lack of variety, it just becomes kind of a drag and kind of annoying, unfortunately, because like like I think we all agree the the actual quality of it is is not subpar. It is it is at the very least good overall as a as a product. But like to just how it just maintains and how it applies to the game it doesn't necessarily fit agree 
Yeah. Unless there's anything else on the, on the music or sound design, I actually just remembered Mm -hmm. something I totally forgot about graphics, but I want to throw it out real quick. I'm done on music. I'm done on music and sound. So cool. I just want to give a quick shout out to the like Indiana Jones style traversal, like screens that they had where you get like when when, when you're flying and you get the cool little like red arrow from your origin point and then Uh it kind of like arcs up Ah, arc and then goes down to your destination with like the semi-transparent like maps like you know fading through and everything i thought that was neat i liked that 10 out of 10 i did i did too i did too i think i thought that was clever i loved i actually really like that but uh now is the time to get into our patron pontifications and if you would like to provide a Patreon pontification, all you got to do is go to our Patreon over at patreon.com slash retro hangover, join our discord, and you'll see a channel with that name and just provide your thoughts on the upcoming episode that will be listed in that channel within our discord. Now, I made it sound, sound a little bit more complicated than it actually is, but I think you get the gist because we have all these people who provided their comments for Ark the Lad. I can tell you I read ahead. These ones are interesting. And and just because I'm, I'm going to let you know if you become a patron and you provide a pontification, we are going to read them. Doesn't really necessarily matter about the quality. So, Shane, how about you kick this one off? All right, let me let me get in here and just Ron Burgundy this thing. First one on the list is none other than a Captain N of the Retrotopia podcast who says... This is a game I picked up when Working Designs, to whom I was a big fan of during this period, released the Ark the Lad collection. I had no real idea of what I would get, but Working Designs had a good reputation with me. Getting into the game itself, I was pleasantly surprised at how much I enjoyed the gameplay. I still have that collection, and I think I might just take it out for a playthrough. All right, thank you, Captain N, and go check out the Retrotopia podcast. Next is Dischimera. And Discamera is from Game Over Hell, which is a YouTube channel you should definitely go check out and subscribe to. I heavily enjoy it. And Discamera says, I don't know Ark the Lad. I wonder if, like Little Lad from Starburst, he also dances to berries and cream. Berries and cream. Berries and cream. I'm a little lad who likes berries and cream. Uh, that that didn't happen. I, I, I can not confirm that Ark does. I don't think he does at all. That'd be a better story. Yeah, there you go. Now that's a story. Ryan, how about you uh, read the next one? Uh, Parallax Puddles says, What even is this game? A welding accident gone wrong? Never heard of there it. There you go. Arc the <laughs> Weld. Arc the Welder. Arcing and sparking. All right. Let's see. We have Rick from Pixel Project Radio who says, This isn't a proper submission, but I never got to play that as a kid. Always wished I could have. Thank you, Rick. Now, there's never a better time than now, Rick. <laughs> never a better time. So, Ryan, how about you take the next one? Next is Soha. Ark the lad. Who is this lad, and why are we arcing him? <laughs> Please don't do that anymore. That is really mean. I'm sending, <laughs> I'm sending this pontification just to make others seem smarter by comparison. Job done. There it is. Thank you, Soha. And Soha has a Twitch channel. I, I don't know how to say it. it's like Soha Yo or Soha Met or something. If you want to know what that is, join our Discord and Soha can let you know. All right, next it's Ozzy, our review crew pit boss. And Ozzy says, Ark the Lad is one of those titles that reflected the very best of what working designs could do. Bringing an unknown RPG from Japan to the West in a lavish package that included three full games. 
the value proposition was insane, and it is incidental that the games were actually pretty good. I always wanted it, but never managed to get it, and only played the games when they came out on PSN. As always, one day, this heavy will finally take its proper place in my collection. But for now, it is nice to hear others talk about it. Thank you, Ozzy. All right, next up we have Alt, who says that they uh, rented Ark the Lad once on the PlayStation 2. Got home, and the disc did not work. 10 <laughs> out of 10 childhood disappointment experience. I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. I hope you got a refund. Thank you, Alt. I do, too. And Ryan, why don't you close it out? The Emperor says, Ark the Lad, the Emperor hasn't played. Shrug. They made a little shruggy emotion. So. Ending, on a, ending on a strong note. <laughs> Emoji. Ending on the strongest comment of the bunch, I'm sure. Thank you, the Emperor. And that brings us to the final portion of the show, which is where we discuss whether or not this game holds up today. As tradition states, once again, our guest will have the final word. Myself and Shane will go first. So, Shane, how about you let us know whether or not this game holds up in 2000-whatever-year-win? Oh, man. I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I, I've been flip-flopping back and forth on this because I, I'm not sure exactly how I feel about it. Overall, I feel like I'm kind of leaning more towards no, and I'm sure that's going to irritate some people because I know there are some pretty big arc the lad fans out there but i just putting it in the context of you know current current gen current times with everything that we have available to us i i would it would be a real hard sell to get someone to play this game over well frankly probably almost either of the other ones in the series most likely or just a lot of other frankly better strategy rpgs and you know, you could say all you want, like, yeah, of course, it was, you know, it's one of one of the first, whatever, blah, blah. It's, it was so long ago. And, and that's all true. Like, the, none of that is invalid. But if we're talking about does it still hold up today? I, I I'm kind of on the fence, but uh, it's like a soft no, because I think like like we said, there are definitely times where I found myself just genuinely enjoying the experience. But then again, I kind of feel like if I have to point out that there are parts of the game that I genuinely enjoyed, that is inherently a problem. And even though this is only going to demand about 10 hours of your time, if you want to complete the whole thing, I'm just not sure that it's worth the 10 hours. Um, I guess if, if you want to take advantage and we didn't, I touched on this very briefly, but we didn't really expound on it at all. But if you want to take advantage of the you know continuity that the developers built into this in that you can carry your save data from the first game into the second one which is pretty neat then sure i mean you could do worse than playing through an okay game for 10 hours but if you're not trying to do that like if you're not like i want to go through the whole arc the lad series and i want to see this continuity of my characters and move my save data along with me and all that. Like if you're not invested in that, then I just feel like there are better uses of your time. I mean, it's more complicated, but I mean, fuck dude, like you could just go play FF tactics or, you know, tactics ogre or like any of the other strategy RPGs that are out there that just do this better. It, it's, it's definitely a good entry point because of how streamlined the combat is, but I just don't, I don't think it hits often enough to make it like a solid suggestion, if that makes sense. 
I think it makes total sense with me going next year, and I'm just going to flat out say no. No, this game does not hold up today, uh, because this game is aggressively mid. Do, do people still use that word? Is mid still a term? It's it's average in every single way, and it feels like it wants to be average. Every single opportunity this game has to just be a a streamlined and fun experience, it stubbornly puts itself in the way and says, no, you need to not have fun for a while. Or, hey, yeah, this music is good, but you're going to hear the same track for about seven out of your ten hours. Or, hey, like, the gameplay, it can can be fun when you're in the battles, but we're going to have little nagging things, like some of your characters just not being off the snuff that are just going to irritate the shit out of you. It's like, every single time there's something beneficial to say about this game, there's just something uh, in the same aspect, the same category that that just screams, hey, we really don't want you to think it's that good because this thing is just not that great. It really wants to be mediocre. And that's what it feels like it strives to be. Maybe it didn't feel that way in 1995. And it what it does feel like if I want to go back to 1995 and compare it to its contemporaries, I think you. You brought up a great example, Shane, which is Tactics Ogre, which was a Super Nintendo game, which is far more complicated and better structured than this one. Now, you can make the argument that this game was supposed to be a more simplistic sort of strategy RPG. I think that's a good argument. But even so, if you compare it to Shining Force or Shining Force 2, they were doing this kind of game infinitely better than what Ark the Lad is. And... That's not exactly a very complicated series of strategy RPGs, uh, especially like the first two Shining Force games. They're, they're slightly more complicated, but not grossly more complicated. Same can be said for Fire Emblem, which goes all the way back to the NES or Game Boy Wars, which is the predecessor to Advance Wars. So I, I, I can't accept the argument that this is an early game or an early game in the strategy RPG series. It's not. There, there were so many other contemporaries that were doing it much better. Even if you want to say the argument, well, this is for the, the more uh, introductory beginner level experience. Well, well, fine. If, if that's your excuse for what this game is, that's OK. But usually the beginner level experience in any game uh, for, for a genre that that takes a backseat to where the more advanced experiences are, especially for, for someone who is more experienced in those genres like myself. Those games are incredibly average and they are incredibly difficult to recommend. And nowadays, especially, I think there are better beginner experiences if that's what you're looking for. So I have to say no. It is it is definitely an average experience. It doesn't stand out. It doesn't separate itself from anything that you would find during that time. But it's also not a broken experience. And it's also a short experience. So if you want to see one of the more historically significant RPGs from the PlayStation Japanese library. Yeah, it's it's worth taking a look at, but overall, you can easily skip this. But with that being said, we will give the final word to Ryan Trainer. So Ryan, what's your thoughts? Does this game hold up today? Sadly, I have to agree with you guys that uh, no, it does not. Especially now with youtube and stuff like that i would say just getting into the next game you don't need to put yourself through this even if it's a short 
time, like, you know, like 10 or so hours to play this game. But yeah, it really doesn't offer too much, you know, catching up with the story, getting into the characters and all that. You could probably really get this just from the Wikipedia article that it has and all that. But it just, it seems like going into some of the next games like Ark the Lad 2 would just kind of catch you up faster with that. And uh, I just wanted to say, too, I totally forgot about this with this game, too, with how it was trying to do with adding more stuff. I went through that whole secret dungeon when I first played this game <laughs> because I couldn't find it. But there was a I'm, I'm I was trying to ask my friend what the magazine was, but there was a magazine that had a like a contest to get to the not really a contest, but they were just asking like to make a video of you going through this and send it in and they would give you some shit or something like that. I didn't get anything for it because I, I don't know what the hell it was off uh, asking, but I did videotape me going through these 50 floors, going through this, this slog of a tower, and you don't get anything really at this. You get a new summon for um, Chingara or whatever. I always say his name wrong, but it's just that payoff was terrible. And there wasn't anything for that whole big, I guess, Easter egg that they wanted to give you or something. But it's it's just nothing that you really need to put yourself through unless you want to. So I don't think it holds up unless it's something you need to complete for the, the whole arc of Ark the Lad. S3 knows. So Ark the Lad does not hold up today. Shame. It is a shame. Oh, well. Yeah. It's like you're saying, it's like, we did shit on it a lot, but I do feel bad, like, because it, it it does have a lot of good stuff to it. I don't feel bad. Yeah, I no, I I kind I kind of agree. Like, I can, and the thing of it is, is like I can see, I I can see that there's a there's a core of a good game here. It's just like like I said before, I think it's really dragged down by some less than stellar design decisions and just a lot of oddly unnecessary fluff in what is already a short game. I, th- I think that's that really what it boils down to. Like there, there is a, there's a nugget of quality in the center of this thing, but it's just, I don't know. It just doesn't, it doesn't do it, but it, it is kind of a bummer. But at any rate, I think that that's, I don't know, Chris, I think that sounds like that, that does it. I think, I think that does wrap. So, before we get into anything else, we, we always like to take a moment to thank our most esteemed guest. So, Mr. Trainer, thank you once again for jumping in your uh, annual retro hangover episode and uh, chatting with us today. Oh, thank you, guys. Always good to be on the show. Always happy to have you. And for those folks that uh, don't happen to already know, what is it that you do? Where can they find you? What what do you what do you got going on? Check me out. Uh, you can check out the podcast Bonsai Chat. Uh, it's on everything. And uh, yeah, you know, just keep listening to Retro Hangover too. You know, it's a good show. Well, we appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. And speaking of which, if if you are listening to us, then you've done the hard part. You have found us. Congratulations. We hope you enjoyed your stay so far. Uh, if this is your first time, then we would we would offer our ginormous backlog. There is so many, so many episodes, much content, and uh, you you should go listen to all of that because I mean, to a certain point, like I don't know, start like episode like twenty five ish. I think start start around there. That's fine. 
you don't need to don't worry about the other ones it's it's okay yeah it's fine yeah yeah don't worry about it but uh, please go check all that out we do have a lot out there we are very rapidly approaching our our 10th anniversary as a show which is wild Jesus. yeah we are so we got a lot of good stuff for you and uh, if you do like the show enough and you'd like to support it and and also get even more content because if that's you know if there's one thing that the world needs it's more content we have so much and we have so much and we've got even more over on our patreon so you could head over there and uh, get a whole whole bevy of additional stuff to shove directly into your ear holes. So that's along with all our other stuff, whether it's the merch store, if you want to pick up a T-shirt or something like that, or check out our socials. We're on most things. We'll probably never be on threads, but that's OK. Hmm. You know, our YouTube channel or or perhaps the, the, the Twitch dot TV place that we have that Chris will tell you about heard of that. in just a moment as he is obligated to do all of those things are at the link tree. We, we did that for you. It's, it's convenient. It's easy. You just got to go to L I N K T R dot E E slash retro hangover. And you are presented with all of these nicely curated buttons that will take you to all of these places. So please feel free to go check that out. And speaking of Twitch TV, and the things that we do over there. Chris, when can the people see us do the things? So if you head over to twitch.tv slash retro hangover and you go there at Sunday at 9 p.m. Eastern time, you can see us stream video germs and talk about weird things because we have a great community that likes to talk about weird things. I like to talk about weird things. And hey, next time I stream, who knows when that might be? That might be the night you're listening to this, maybe the week before. But if it does happen every single time that I'm streaming, and we get a new $5 level patron, I'll, I'll go topless because why not? Because Twitch's nudity themes are, are messed up. I want to challenge it. I want to see if I can get banned by showing off my nips. So head on over to twitch.tv slash retro hangover and come watch me get naked. Not entirely, <laughs> I hope. All right. So we will see you there. Also, check out the King of Games 96 on our Patreon. We have a lot of people over there uh, that helped us make that. And I, I, I think it's really good. We're getting a lot of responses. People don't want to see Super Mario 64 win the entire year in, in our Discord chat. They're very upset about the prospect of that. Who knows? Maybe it'll make it. Maybe it won't. But the only way you're going to find out is if you go to Patreon and listen to it at any tier. So you could do that. You, or you could wait until May when it comes out on the May feed. But that's up to you. But you can listen to it all. Well, not all. But you can listen to it as it comes out right now over at Patreon, the King Games 96. Back to you, Shane. Well, if that doesn't get you to go over to our twitch channel i don't know what will so there you go exactly with all of that having been said until next time play with your aggressively average joysticks shane here with a quick message you know the one rule chris and i have always gone by regarding advertisements is this it has to be something we use and can personally vouch for. If you know me, you know I love coffee. And Bones Coffee Company has been my go-to for home brewing for quite some time now. Their small batch beans come in an impressive variety of flavors like Mint Invaders from Chocolate Space or Electric Unicorn, which I swear tastes exactly like Fruity Pebbles. 
And the best part? No added sugar or calories involved, just natural flavors infused right into the beans themselves. Build your own sample pack of five four-ounce bags to find out which flavors speak to you, or jump in headfirst with full 12-ounce bags. They've even got K-Cups. Step up your homebrew game with Bones Coffee by visiting bit.ly slash RHP Bones. That's bit.ly slash R-H-P-B-O-N-E-S.